Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the dread to my Neo. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, stoic. Yeah, and our very own Jason Bourne. That's right. Eric, how are you doing, buddy? Forgetful and has been known to drive tiny cars. <laughs> I uh, My voice is absolutely <laughs> sh- sh- shredded. I went to, I went to uh, Defi- Defy Wrestling last night. Oh, and how I, was that? I uh, watched some professional wrestling. It was very fun. Had a great time. Uh, boot. I like booing. So, so like I, you know, whenever there's a there's someone who I can can really get on, yell at for for and boo. I'm I'm there for that. Hey, booing so, heels is showing respect. Yeah, you're saying I, that that's appreciating the craft. I respect the craft exactly. You got to respect the art. People who cheer heels are the worst people because they're like. It's like yes, we get it. They're good. So if they're if you really think they're good, you'd be booing them like us because you respect what they're trying to do. Instead, <laughs> instead you're like trying to make them think you're cool too. Who was the not. biggest name you saw last night? Uh, it wasn't like a huge names on this card. Uh, probably Clark Connors is in New Japan in the Bullet Club. He was okay. there. Uh, Tom Wall- Tom Waller also a New Japan wrestler was there. Uh, That's only like was, twelve letters. That can't was, be the biggest name. It was a more more low key card than usual, but it, all the matches were pretty good. Actually, I was actually like very pleased with top to bottom match quality in a way that I usually am not after I leave those events. Usually, I'm like, oh, this one match was really bad. Uh, but yeah, world champion Kenta should be back soon uh, to to wrestle. Should be fun. Uh, Cody Chun called him out, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> you That's know, you know, Chun. you know that story continuity in the uh, in the old local <laughs> wrestling federation. Uh, so anyway. Back to the SN. You know what I'm excited about, guys? Seahawks football. It's this is I, this is the first episode in a long time where it's a, I get to talk about Seahawks football specifically all the whole time on my Seahawks podcast, including <laughs> I, game I have, footage. I have kind yeah. of missed being the episodes where I just I get to talk about Seahawks football the whole time. But we do have to talk about one non-football story. And that is our reaction. Richard Sherman will now take part in FS1's Undisputed across from Skip Bayless. Uh, how disappointed are you on a scale of 1 to 10? There's no, there's no emotion other than disappointment. How disappointed are you guys? I mean, the only thing that could have been good is if, you know, Skip Bayless had retired or something. Um, I, I, give it, I give it six months. You you think it's not going to last? Like it's going to? No, be I I mean, come on, if Shannon Sharp can't last. You think you think Richard Sherman's going to last? Come on, there's no way, no way. I don't know. It's it's hard. Like I Shannon lasted a long time because the show was pre- was pretty successful for what it is. Uh, you know, which what's the goal of a show like this to create stupid viral clips where yeah. the hosts are saying really dumb things? So in some way, like yeah, it was successful. Uh. That's probably what's going to happen here is that Richard Sherman's going to say some things. Skip Bayless is going to say some things. They're going to make you think they hate each other on TV, even though they probably just get along fine. Because Skip Bayless is going to let uh, Richard Sherman behind the curtain and let him know that, hey, you know what? I just say shit because I, I want <laughs> I want to be uh, – it's – I don't know. It's whatever. Who cares? He's, he's like, hey, Sherm, uh, what QB should I start uh, rumors about their sexuality? Because that's what exactly. I do to get famous. Exactly. Um, okay. Uh, one for me um, on disappointment because good Don Sherm going and getting a bag. Um, yeah. And it's not going to impact whatsoever how much attention I paid to that friggin' show. So uh, all this tells me is that the same people that watch stuff like that will keep watching it, except somebody who I'm happy for getting money because they'll probably do something cool with it is going to go get some money. 
Yeah, I just wish that he would have gone like sideline reporter or halftime reporter, you know, like just any you can other. Go into that. It's not like oh, it... that door closes. Like Shannon Sharp's going to be able to get into that. Like Shannon Sharp's going to be on a sideline or in a booth wherever he wants to also. Shannon Ch- Sharp now, and every time I think of him, I just think of that clip where the guy, he has the his tiny little dog and he's in the airport and the guy's like, <laughs> and the guy's like filming him and he just looks at the guy and goes, really? Really? And the guy's like, and the guy just goes, yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so that's my that's my favorite all right we got to start off where uh, let's get into the actual game uh, although jordan books really close to coming off the pup jamal adams looks really good there they are they are really uh saying that those guys will be back maybe even at the start of the season very exciting uh pieces of the defense that will be coming back so before you fully evaluate the defense just keep in mind that there might be some reinforcements coming uh we got to start where everyone wants us to start though everyone wants to know about bobo <laughs> Jake Bobo is the uh the the rising star of uh of the game. I have a really strong opinion on this. Um I, you know I'll just go. I'll just go cuz I want to go. Yeah. This is a, a tradition a tradition unlike any other. Tremaine Pope, Kaysen Williams, John Ursua, uh Jazz Ferguson, you know, a tradition unlike any other. Some skill position player that you don't expect starts playing good against third stringers. And you gotta get, go out and buy their jersey and say that some other guy's gonna get cut for them. Just gonna tell you guys one thing about Jake Bobo. In the most favorable conditions, your pro day, he was timed with a four point nine nine second forty. Okay. In in fairness to him, it was timed on a sundial. Yeah, I guess. Second Jake Bobo fact. Okay. Jake Bobo is twenty five years old. The same age as fourth year Seahawks wide receiver DK Metcalf. Okay, I just I can't. Is he still younger than D. Eskridge though? Oh my gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the exact ages, but it's like our veteranitas is great. The, Jake, the age the, is what gets me because I saw that on Friday. I had no idea until Friday, and I was like, oh, this is this changes my opinion of him immediately. Well, yeah, because we talked about this before. The strongest relationship between NFL success and uh, in any college, any statistical thing is age, draft age. Draft age is a really important thing. Now there like is some sele- age for there is some selection by yeah. there's some selection bias here because like if you're not coming out into the NFL when you're 20 unless you're really good, so so yeah, there's a little bit of like bias in the in the data set, but it doesn't matter if you're 25 and you're a rookie. Like how many 25 year old rookies have really made it? How much no, did we? How much time did we spend dunking on the Browns for drafting a 25-year-old quarterback? <laughs> Nathan, like, let's peel this back real quick because uh, just to reinforce your statement, um, they actually keep track of uh, college football breakout year, and they take they keep track of the age of the wide receiver and uh, their breakout year. And I can't remember the exact statistics for it, but that has the same strength of correlation as yeah. draft age does for, to wide receiver success. Yeah, so regardless of... It's what um, you should be using in your dynasty league to draft your yeah. wide receivers, you know, breakout age. If some dude comes out at 19 or 20 and dominates college football, then they have a very good chance of coming out. Like George Pickens was a later pick, but he broke out, like I think his true sophomore season at Georgia. And so it wasn't shocking that he was able to put something together in the NFL. It's why people still have faith in Justin Ross because his breakout rookie, his breakout freshman season where even though he's like broken his back and now he's he's on Kansas City and everyone's worried, it's like you know what he still broke out super young. He, he maybe he still has it. You always hold out that hope. What was Jake Bilbo's breakout age? Never. Like has he ever had a great college season? Uh, it's, like uh, it's twenty five. <laughs> it's we right now. We're, we're living it. Yeah. yeah I, 
I love it. I love Jake Bobo as like a practice wide guy or maybe the last wide receiver on the roster. It could be great. I don't I need to pay attention to him during a special teams play to know if he has any chance to make the team. Because that's guy's where... uh McElhaney? The yeah. the like Wisconsin quarterback turned wide receiver. Oh, oh it was um it was McElvoy, I think. Yeah, he's he's oh, just that gonna do that. Yeah. He he we were on like one trick play where he threw the ball one time and I was like so excited. I was like, Yes, they finally yes. used it and then never came up again. Otherwise he was <laughs> just like a tall slot receiver. The thing about Bobo is he does run good enough routes that if your uh slot guy can't handle like a slightly taller receiver, he can get so, a lot of space. So the t- on the touchdown pass, that cornerback, I was like, What are you doing? He took like such a fat cut in for no so reason. And I was like I was just thinking in my head, what if I was the coach on this situation, like I'm just going to have him watch that video and be like, hey, right here where you took this step to the right, what was your brain doing? Because it wasn't thinking about what's happening in this football play. Like it's so ridiculous. And then uh, and then one of – yeah, he had a nice like zone beater where he ran just like a nice route into the open space. Those those plays just happen. And that could have been anyone. Like those zone beater outbreaking routes are just – you know what? That can happen to anyone because it happened to the Seahawks like a bunch of times in this game. Like that, every like most of the successful Minnesota Vikings throws were just zone beaters because we were we were trying stuff at safety. Let's go, let's go there next, then come back to offense because I think it's like a nice segue because we were just trying stuff at safety in this game, right, Kevin? I think uh, it's free. Uh, you don't safety. think you don't think uh, Sunderland and Kobe Bryant are going to be our starting safeties on that? Uh, that was our yeah. As we started off with, start off with the old Sunderland Bryant, and then uh, Jarek Reed took over. At, at free safety for the end of the game. Hey, I, so I knew somebody who got a DUI and they called Sunderland, Bryant, and Reed. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it makes sense to me. Okay, so like the safety play was a little bit. I thought Jarek Reed actually was pretty good. Sorry, he had Sutherland. That, he had the nice. He had the nice pass break up, um, and then, but okay, let's talk about Kobe Bryant because that's the more interesting, I think. Thing we spent more. We spent a fifth round pick on Kobe, uh, fourth round pick fourth last round year. Pick. Uh, we played him mostly at slot cornerback last year. Now we're coming to this year. seems like they're trying to get him to learn how to play safety. He played some box safety in this game. He played some free safety in this game. A lot of free safety. Uh, yeah, a lot of free safety, actually. Um, so at this point, um, what is Co- what is Kobe Bryant on this team? Like, is he, is he, is he, what, what, how is he competing for a roster spot? I'm gonna start with you, Eric. Like, is he, is he competing at safety? Is he competing at corner? Are they trying to turn him into a Swiss army knife? What are they doing with Kobe Bryant? Uh, I, I mean, I think they're trying to go Swiss Army Knife, but at the same time, I feel like they don't really know where to put him. Like, it's not a an intentional, we can make this guy good at many positions. I think it's, oh, you know what? what we're going to make him, we're going to make him depth. We'll move him to safety. We'll see how he does there. He'll be depth at corner. Um, I think it's it says something about our class that they want to move him around. But um, I don't know, the way yeah. that guy hits, I feel like, Maybe they see safety in him for that reason. That was a delightful hit he put on Jalen yes. Rager. I, th- that was great, great flag pickup. Twenty-two free safety snaps, twelve box safety snaps. Kevin uh, is is what's Kobe? Uh, I guess uh, what's he what's he doing for the Seahawks? Okay, so last year they started him out at outside corner, which is all he ever really played. Then he comes into camp and they're like, "Hey, um, we're gonna have you compete in uh, nickel," and so you have him playing in the slot and. I thought he put together an admirable rookie season, especially for someone who never played the slot before training camp. Completely fine. He was completely serviceable. Not not great, but it was base level. He was fine. And he, he comes into camp obviously this year, can improve. And they're like, yo, dog, you ever think about playing safety? And he's like, will it get me on the field? And they're like, maybe. And he's like, 
I'm thinking about playing safety. And it's the first preseason game, and there were definitely some mistakes, but the big things I felt like he did well with. Like, he, he could move around in space well, but there were some times where he wasn't jiving with the other DBs to be in the right position. Um, he came forward to make plays on uh, underneath passing plays and run plays very well. That's what I think. He was successful underneath. He struggled deep, which is interesting. It's because he's played more towards the line of scrimmage in his career, I think. It's yeah. it, like being able to to like, you know, understand what's going on with the play and then read it and figure out where to go is like a real skill. And it's one that he's not yet developed. And it's and a s- trust fall. Like we've seen Dig struggle when he doesn't know what the other DBs are doing, too. It's hard True. to say, and it's hard to say, like, will will he grow into the position and start, like, because you know, the, the two passes that he kind of gave up were both just, like, zone beaters where they kind of, you know, th- those are the kind of plays that I think uh, Quandre figures out what they're trying to do and just gets there, you know? Yep. But he's just not, that Kobe's just not there yet in terms of, like, what he needs to be doing. But like So you're saying, asking what Kobe's doing. I think, honestly, I think Kobe's getting the Ugo Amadi treatment okay. where it's, hey, if you can play every position then we can find a spot for you because you can play all the positions plus special teams at a baseline competent level. And I don't know, man, Kobe's got a really good head on his shoulders. He he's a, he's a really good like uh, cerebral football player. Yes. And so I, I can the, see him succeeding in that role where maybe there's spots where he's better, but he can come in and fill adequately at any spot. And that's a really valuable player. He's I the think, guy that I went back and looked at college film during the season last year because I was interested in mm-hmm. how he played. I never do that. You know how I feel about college football. <laughs> <laughs> there, it's interesting. Like there, so like, well, okay, then we're probably keeping six corners and then four or five safeties. Like, I, it's Kobe, Jarek Reed, and Joey Blunt pick two. I think that that that's kind of tough because Artie Burns is playing out of his mind I mean he looked really good in those 19 snaps he's getting all this camp hype now he had two run stops like this guy is just playing really good football I don't want to get rid of Artie Burns that's the kind of veteran like presence you kind of want available to to fill in if something bad happens right and Jarek Reed looked legit and athletic out there he had himself a, a really interesting game after a really good camp I feel like I understand completely why he got one of those little hammers. <laughs> <laughs> like Jarek, Jarek Reed, I get why he got one of those little hammers, man. That guy's a gamer. I think that Jarek, the Jarek Reed development curve is is very interesting because, you know, he's he's a like smaller school prospect, New Mexico. He's small, but he's not like super old. Like I thought, you know, he's not. She's twenty three. New Mexico he, had some problems on their coaching staff and like some weird turnover things going on, and so he also didn't get coached up the way he probably would have been in a more stable program. All right, Eric, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw to you uh, along the along the line, uh, the the defensive line. Didn't did, was there a, was there a standout character mm, for you? Uh, can I say that our our defensive line wasn't. It it was neither great nor nor terrible. I wasn't. Um, it's hard when it's hard when you got like Levi Bell and uh, <laughs> and and friends out there like to be like, oh, this is amazing. Um, the the player who played that was like a a, a name that we all recognize. Twenty five snaps from Mafe. Well, oh boy, Mafe. Pretty... I think obviously like he kind of shined. Uh, you know, I'll throw Tyreek Smith out there. Um, Ty Smith, yeah. He he had a he had a, a good tackle for a loss. He looked comfortable in the position. Uh, it's the first game of the season. Uh, it's funny, you know, 
watching Seahawks social media, you know, extol the virtues of Drew Locke. You know, we went against Nick Mullins in this game, and <laughs> it's it's the first preseason game of the season, which means even more because there's only three now that they've extended the season by a game. Um, I I looked at it as a whole, but but Ty Smith looked like he was he was he was in a natural setting. How's that? Yeah. He looked like he could he could maybe push to to make the team. It's interesting. These camp battles are now developing. Like, okay, so we've got like Ty Smith versus Miles Adams now, maybe for like a last roster spot. It's it's pretty it's pretty tight on defense. Very competent. Radigan versus uh, Ben uh, Burkirvan and Patrick O'Connell. Yeah, Yeah. Ben Burkirvan was not. (laughs) He was kind of absent from the game, and I was I was kind of. He reeled so me Bur- back in. Burkirvan, Burkirvan looked slow. Like yes. the camp reports reeled me in too, Eric. I was thinking like, oh, they everyone's saying Ben Burkirvan's back. He's an, he's always been a smart football player, but his athleticism was fringe. And then in this game, he looked slower than he looked last time I saw him. And I was like, mm, maybe the legs are just not back. The yeah, way the injury kind of has me asking where he's going to be a graduate assistant next season. Yeah, O'Connell, O'Connell, I thought actually nice. Four tackles, three run stops was kind of – all over the place. I like I like Patrick O'Connell. I'm on the I'm on the Patrick O'Connell hype train, I think. Vi Jones might have Wally pipped himself out of the last backup linebacker spot by being injured because I felt like Radigan put together a really solid game. Um and I and okay. same with uh, O'Connell. O'Connell feels position flexible too, like where they, they could like use him at defensive end in a in a nightmare scenario because he's a really good athlete. So yeah. that kind of that kind of thing. And like you said, Ty Smith, I think they could use him at inside linebacker in a pinch too. So it's like those guys maybe giving themselves the chance to be the last the last linebacker on the roster in a way that other people are, are not. Speaking of linebacker, uh, Devin Bush looked Devin exactly Bush. how I wanted him to look. Very good. He, like, moving forward, filling lanes in the run game. Like, dude just looked like a solid, steady hand veteran linebacker yes. who can go in and, like, I, I don't think he's going to be a big wow play guy. He's just going to be one of those like solid, consistent tacklers. He, he can shine by being solid. Yeah, he looked good to me in coverage. That was what impressed me is that he like he really could get after, like turn his hips and get get a, get around and be an, an effect in coverage. All right, Kat, Eric, you brought up Drew Lock. I think it's yeah. time to talk. We got the full Drew Lock experience in this game. We really did. Uh, outside of the moments of the fourth, like it it was uh, it was a little. It was like up the up and down Drew Bach experience. So let's talk about what were some, <laughs> some of the ups and some of the downs. What do you uh, <laughs> ups and downs. Ups were being able to see the receivers on the go route to get the touchdown. Um, mm. Dumping it down for oh hold on I gotta I gotta pause real quick. <laughs> it's okay. So the the for me like the high that pass that pass to uh, Esau Winston, Winston Jr. Yeah, and he just fit that in tight window. There's like four guys there, you know, and he's just hammers it into the window the 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 co-back up yeah the co-back just on the wheel route running a beautiful wheel and then and then being able to drew lock just dropping it right over that that lineman in stride right over the outstretched defender's hand that was textbook that was beautiful then but then we got the down drew lock experience the weird fumble (laughs) they got the uh the 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 guy okay kevin tell you said you had a quote before in the pre-show about this interception What what did you say (laughs) <laughs> this, this interception he he okay how would we say it? he just he's in he drops back oh he's, he oh that's right yeah i have to i have to he, rephrase it he's he only, he he falls deeply 
madly and truly in love with his receiver. He has eyes for none other on the field. Yeah, he only has eyes for this <laughs> for one receiver. He looks, he stares him down. The the linebacker is he covering was the running Madden back. Twenty eleven and has one of those uh, uh, windows for throwing it's that's like so three tight. millimeters wide, and it's all focused on one receiver. So he he has that tight window, and then he he's not only looking at the one guy, and the linebacker reads the backfield and goes, "Oh, I'm not. I don't need to cover this running back. He is not looking at him at all." So he just slips kind of into the underneath zone, and <laughs> Drew Lock hits him right in the numbers. Nice. Oh, what about when he buried the uh, football in the safety's chest, except for uh, JSN uh, was able to get a hand up and like tried to one hand it. And everyone was like, oh, he almost got the one hand. But it's like it's not even about just getting the one hand on it. He prevented the interception. That was a heads up play from JSN. It's really hard. Like I get I get Drew Luck now. There is a there is alluring talent. He does a couple things in every game that makes you think, man. If this guy could just put everything together in one package, oh boy, it would be so great. He could be so good. But he does several other things every game that make you go, holy smokes, this guy just does not have two brain cells to rub together. And it's it's just hard. You could put a (laughs) Hall of Fame 12-minute highlight segment of uh, Drew Locke and the NFL together, and you could put a 12-minute... Uh, Drew Highlock, uh, Drew Lock highlight segment that would make Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad blush. It's it's just tough. <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. Drew Lock, the Drew Lock experience is just both both up and down. Sorry, I had it to is... step away. Uh, you took all my Drew Lock notes. Thank you, Kevin. Um, <laughs> uh, he he looks like he looks like a perfect backup, right? Yeah, he's not. But the thing I this the perfect backup, right? The perfect backup doesn't lose you the game. The perfect backup in the NFL doesn't exist. Like we would talk about, like having Is, uh, isn't it like Teddy Bridgewater though? Like it's the guy that just like comes out there and plays like the most conservative, boring brand of football and doesn't lose you the game. That depends on your roster. Teddy Two Gloves yeah. is a great backup if you have a really strong roster, but if you need upside, that's that's us. We have a great roster. Well, I'm I'm saying like Drew Locke is a good backup for other teams that don't have as much position talent. And so, I uh, so he's they, Matt they need someone who can with, take chances without like the the drive to get better. No, he he wants to get better. He just doesn't. But he something can't. is something is broken in his head that makes him make these like kind of knucklehead plays. He even said one time he's like he after as soon as he throws the ball, <laughs> he's like, "Why did I throw that?" No, I mean, no, no, no. He says sometimes the ball leaves my hand, and I just go, "Oh no." <laughs> You have to say it that way because that is one of the greatest things that a player it's has just, ever said about their own. He's <laughs> he's honestly super self aware. He seems like a great guy. He's trying his best, and the the good stuff is so good. I mean, I couldn't. No, there are not many guys on earth who could do like the really good Drew. That Aesop Winston throw is a great example. There ain't there ain't thirty two guys in the NFL that can make that throw, but. But there, there, there's definitely 32 <laughs> that wouldn't make uh, a lot of those other throws. There, there, but there's there's more than 32 guys who wouldn't throw it straight into a linebacker's <laughs> chest. So it's just – it's you take the good with the bad. Put your I, hand down, Jimmy Garoppolo. We're not we, talking about you. If we have to end up with in the Drew Lock season, just get ready. It's going to be a, an adventure. The good stuff will be good, and the bad stuff will be – The bench <sighs> will be just fine. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, okay, other than Bobo. I mean, obviously, Smith and Jigba is just going to be open all the time in the slot. 
that was very fun. Uh, that the end of the roster wide receivers are are actually pretty frisky. Bobo, Winston, Lindsey, um, Hopkey Johnson's okay. Uh, Anyone here wondering if uh, uh, one of the back end wide receivers on the roster is slowly killing off the wide receivers ahead of them on the roster, like an Agatha Christie mo- uh, movie or like book? Because we are like wide receivers are dropping like flies in this preseason, man. This yeah, is not good. It's it's getting when we're maybe we're gonna end up with only five guys. So okay, so let's say Metcalf, Lockett, and Smith and Jigba are in. I yep. think Young is in. Yes. I know he's hurt, but like I just think like that guy's in. So it's like Cody Thompson, Winston Jr., Jake Bobo, Matt Landers, Kay Johnson, Lindsey. Those those guys are all competing for just one roster spot, probably. That's pretty brutal. Because I don't think Winston's return experience is a big up there. We're going to need a, I think, a lot of linebacker spots. Yeah, if 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 uh, Brooks is on the pup, that that makes an interesting roster situation. I. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It's it's a interesting things developing in the end of the Seahawks. I mean, here's the thing: they don't have to make this Eskridge decision now for like six weeks because <laughs> he just sits on the suspension list and doesn't count. Well, he also when he twisted his knee. Also, I mean, it's yes. The decision so, is goodbye. <laughs> is Amara they, Darbo available? They don't have to cut. <laughs> they don't have That's to cut bad Eskridge though. They don't have to cut Eskridge. So a lot of people are like, "Oh, Eskridge is on notice." Like Eskridge is on notice for week seven. Like he's not on notice for anything soon, and he can still practice. So I'm, we'll see how he does. I don't know. I think this team still is infatuated with with Eskridge for whatever reason. You must a, practice so good. They can't quit him. Yeah, he must be the yeah. practice star. Do you know how old Eskridge is? He's older than Jake Bobo. 20, he's older than Jake Bobo and DK Metcalf. He's 26. Yeah, I looked it up. Okay, well, let's head the, from. He's been in the the league for 10 years. He's just been injured all 10 years. Oh, can we talk running back next? Sorry. You want to do running backs? I mean, <laughs> yeah. the Kobach was awesome. I'm a I'm a big Kobach Kobach guy now. Zach that's Charbonnet. That's why I oh, said Char- more oh. spots for the running back. Well, you already knew I was a Charbonnet guy. <laughs> Zach Charbonnet <laughs> murdered Lewis scene on again. Camera. This is not the and first time. No, he did it multiple times in the game. It was the it was the football equivalent of running someone over with your car and then backing up over them again. Like when yeah, like uh he, and the other thing is his stats don't look as impressive as they were because he had two legitimately good like longer runs that were called back on penalties. Yeah, the So, uh offensive line, offensive line was on, legit. on the struggle bus a little bit. I uh, mean, we we also weren't playing Oh yeah, I I understand. I'm just saying the 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 we were on Greg Island a lot. The offensive line we had Forsyth was okay. I thought Forsyth was fine. Um, he he kind of proved his medal as like a swing tackle to me at least. Yeah, um, Haynes only played like 15 snaps, and I didn't. People were saying that I didn't notice him that much. Uh, in this, oh, I have to say something too. I had so I couldn't watch the game live. I was in Canada and I didn't want to just sit in a bar while I was on vacation and watch the game. I thought it would be weird. So then, what, taking notes in a notebook, you know, it's like here's a, what's this guy doing in this bar taking notes in a notebook about the CS game? I don't know. I thought it looked super weird. So they anyway, think you're a health inspector. So I, I um, so I had to Secret come chopper. home and and find a find a stream because the you know NFL hasn't sent us our our uh, game pass yet for season tickets. So. I find the stream, but it's the it's the Vikings condensed game film. So I'm watching like the Vikings 
announcer stream and man, they would not shut up about Ty Chandler. It was like the Ty Chandler show. <laughs> every, every person they interview on the si- sidelines brings up Ty Chandler. It's just like Ty Chandler, Ty Chandler, Ty Chandler. I'm like, what is this cope? Like they just love Ty Chandler so much. It was super weird. I will also um, bring up Ty Chandler had 41 yards on 11 attempts. That's 3.7 yards per attempt against backups. That's not even that good. <laughs> Dude, but 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 don't worry. He's so he has such good hands and out of the backfield, and he turns the ball upfield, and it's just so amazing, Kevin. That's that's what I got from there. So he's just he's just a perfect dump off option. I don't. Who cares? I don't know. You went from the be- <laughs> Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook was a great dump off option too. You guys just sent him to the the moon. Like now he's just hanging out at Jets practice, but not actually signing. Okay. Um. So ups ups on the line ups on the line. Who who stood out for you guys? Uh, All right, I'll, I'll yeah. go ahead and say it because everyone wants to hear it. Uh, Oluwatimi, um mm-hmm. looked like a absolutely capable, competent starting NFL center. He got his hands inside. He showed the snatch move um, where like uh, the nose tackle gets too far over their cleats. And so you basically like let him lean your weight into you and then just like quickly back up and move your arms. So he falls. He got a little pancake that way. That was delightful. Um, he did well on his handoffs. Uh, Bradford missed a number of cues, and Ola Timmy did a good job of oh making up God. for that. Bradford, what is what was Bradford? Bradford's this... a one-on-one mauler. He just has no read for stunts or anything like that. Oh my gosh! I was like, Bradford was kind of a disaster, low-key kind of a disaster in this game. His but... pass, his PFF pass rating was four. <laughs> it's out but of a, it's out of a hundred. Yeah. It's out of a hundred. So I, Island I think, was fi- Island was 15. So I was like, <laughs> that's not, that's not, a lot, that's not very good either. Um, but I think, uh, Olo Timmy's so good that I hope Evan Brown starts getting looks at right guard. I thought, but I thought, I thought Brown was good too. Like fine, completely fine. You only put 15, snaps, right. but they were like, so our best like five might confident. include Brown at guard. We have two, we have two centers guys. That's two more centers than we've had the last. Season. We haven't had it. We haven't about, had it. We've had zero centers for so long. I don't know That's what two one and a half centers more than we two we pot- two potentially <laughs> competent centers. Like this is what? Like I like I'm still like pump the brakes. Oluwatimi's not making the Pro Bowl as a rookie, but like he looks like he could be NFL average at at least. And Evan Brown, we already know he can be NFL average, and he had nothing to disprove that in this game. Uh, so yeah, okay, like two centers. That's cool. I'm into it. Very exciting times. <laughs> for for the Seattle Seahawks, put those guys next to Damian Lewis and uh, and sorry and and, Phil Haynes and see what happens. Uh, that's gonna be gonna be fun. The yeah, Greg Island, Anthony Bradford, Joey Hunt. Um, well, it was fun fun knowing you guys. I mean, Bradford's gonna make the team because he's a rookie, but boy's <laughs> got some work. There's a long way. There's a long ways to go. <laughs> he's young. He's he's got room to. Maybe not be terrible this year. How's he's that? 20, yeah, he's twenty two. He's he's young. He's he's still a prospect. Um, do you know what I want to? One of something that stood out to me is that Noah Gendorf. The only way he's making this team is an inline blocking tight end, and uh, he did not. He was notably not it. So um, I don't he inlined know. well, but he blockinged very poorly. I think that he's pretty much done. He's cooked. It's now. It's now like, do we keep four? If we do, is it Mabry or, or or Griffin Hebert? Hebert looked good on special teams too. He was the he was the guy that got the the muff punt, right? So then, yeah, that's that's 
a thing. <laughs> the special teams thing is what we should be watching closer. I the thing that sucks is like the condensed game film. I had well, I want the, quick, I want all twenty two. I want all twenty two for spe- well. I'm just gonna say I want all twenty two yeah. for special teams just because like I need to know who's playing because yeah. like that it's so important. Like like once you know that Jarek Reed played seventeen special snaps, special team snaps, it's like oh Jarek Reed's making the team. He's he, if he didn't screw those up, he's making the team. Bobo played ten. That is his path to making the team. It ain't. It ain't uh, anything else. O'Connell played 12. Like these yeah, are the guys Sutherland that played 13. These are the guys that you need to keep an eye out for because these, these special teams players, Ty Smith on nine special teams snap. Um, those are the guys that are going to kind of make their, make their way onto the roster because special teams matters to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, anyway, back to, back to the, uh, the offensive line, Kevin, the running, the run blocking was bad. Like it was consistently off all game. And part of it, I think is just because we were running out a lot of backups, um, and they were just missing assignments. So uh, that was a problem a good bit last year where you had offensive linemen missing their blocks. Um, that looks, that was a problem in this game next week. Um, you know, preseason week two, we should have our starters out there, kind of give them their, their trial run. And I would like to see the blocking be consistent in the run game. I feel like our pass blocking is good. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't matter when you got Bryant Kobach out there breaking three tackles on six carries and getting 26 yards after contact. The Kobach up. Dude, Bryant Kobach. If I, I'm Bryant Kobach is my Jake Bobo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my be everybody's Jake Bobo at the end of the preseason. It's like I, right now I'm like, oh, yeah, like what player are you excited about that you shouldn't be? I'm excited about 25-year-old rookie running back Bryant Kobach. <laughs> like I, I don't think that he – he probably's not making the team, but he looks good. Important thing to note here: team. Brian Kobach. This was the Brian Co- Bryant Kobach revenge game. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings uh, signed him as a UDFA after last year and cut him, and now they they rue the day that they cut the Kobach up. I mean, he ran he got four, his revenge. He ran a four four seven uh, four. Uh, he's his like his pro day stats are actually pretty impressive. Uh, and he he's I read an interview interview thing where he like is completely motivated by the fact that they didn't let him go to the combine. Like he was like super mad about it. He was like, I'm the underdog. I want to be. it's a perfect Seahawks guy. I think <laughs> it's just like the, this chip on his shoulder. Like I didn't get sent to the combine and I got cut. And now I want to be the best. And now I'm going to tear it up. But like, do we really keep five running backs? I six if you include Belore. I doubt it. No, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't so. be surprised if we keep five. Honestly, with the way so, running backs go down, with the way our luck has been, that's, I'm not. That's true. I'm not messing around here. Like I'm. I'm, McIntosh, I'm dying McIntosh on and Walker, If McIntosh and Walker are both like semi healthy coming into the season, maybe we do keep a bunch of guys. The thing sure. about Kobach is that he's the kind of guy you can stash on your practice squad and have him dress and be ready on game day if you need the running back that week. Not if he keeps playing like this. He's going to no someone's going to come take you. You're him. getting Troy Main poked on this. <laughs> someone's going to someone's going to Jay Troy Main Pope ended up on the Jets, dude. It's a uh, it's someone <laughs> on the championship. Somebody's going to have Jets. a go back up, I agree. Uh all right. The future XFL Hall of Famer. Hey, Brian we just Kovac. we glossed over uh, the terribleness of Stone Forsyth on the offensive line. Do we need to go back to that or I thought he was enough? I thought he was. I thought he was perfectly comp- serviceable. Competent. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't think so. I mean, he did give up. He did give up uh, two pressures. He, I watched a lot of Storm Forsyth. That's why I'm saying bringing it 45, up. 45, <laughs> 45 snaps. I mean, 
here's the thing is like when you play that many snaps is if you have two bad ones, they're definitely going to stand out. So I understand like, but like, the I other think thing is we ask our left tackles to do a lot. Like he was, and we're zero, zero percent reliant on stone Forsyth. That's the, that's the thing for me. He's also that, like, playing with an Island a lot. He's, Sorry. He's he's going to be the the backup. That and was like, the dumbest joke I've made on this whole. Would podcast. you rather? Okay, how about this? Would you think he was worse than Jake Curran? No, 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 I don't. Okay, okay, so that because <laughs> that's the bar. That's no, the bar, right? Is that, I guess, is that, he's got to be better than Jake Curran, and I feel I like guess, he was definitely better than Jake Curran. I'm really kind of counting on him being a starter, and I realize that's not going to happen. So I I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, it's like. Stone Forsyth is never going to develop into a starter. I don't think. I think that's just not his path. He's just going to be like a steady backup who, when he gets lined up across from good athletes, is in trouble. Yeah, his his <laughs> highest his highest ceiling is yeah. he's that guy who plays swing tackle for a good team, and then another team signs him and thinks he's going to start at like right tackle, and then he ends up being like one of the worst starting right tackles ah, in the league. The George Fant story. I got it. <laughs> Uh, so, so yes, that, he is the new George Fant, dude. We gotta get Stone Forsyth out there on at tight end. He's so tall. He's tall, dude. Do you think? Do you think Stone, Eric? Do you think Stone can run routes? I do not. No. Do you think he'll try? Do you think? He, do you think? Bro, he will I think try Stone to, Hands is just built into this. Is the joke? That's. Do you problem. think Stone Forsyth will try to toe tap like like? Noah Fant did. I or I mean George Fant, sorry. I think Stone Forsyth <laughs> will do the John Carlson thing with uh when he fell down, got back up, and was able to catch a ball. Uh, that was that was by design. I think uh Stone will say it was right. by design. So if we bring back the fat the fat uh lineup where we play an extra offensive lineman, if it's not Jumbo. Stone Forsyth, we are we are rioting. This is a this is a this, this podcast will not will accept no substitutes. I want to see six foot seven Stone Forsyth playing in line tight end, and if they don't do it, then I'm I'm it's, it's going to be problems. Okay, it's, it's going to be problems. Podcast, got it. I, I don't want to I don't want to see Tyler Mabry. You cowards! I don't want to see Noah Gindorf. I really don't want to see Noah Gindorf. I definitely don't want to see uh, Kobe Parkinson or Griffin Hebert. I want to see Stone Forsyth playing tight end. All right. Anyway. Uh, special teams, Chris Stoll. Do I need to say it, guys? I mean, when you're trained by the best. <laughs> this is the factory that produces Rubio! results. <laughs> That's it. There's, there's, no, there's nothing else to say. This guy, you know, you you thought he couldn't possibly live up to the hype. You thought you know, that like Rubio would not even care right now because he's too busy smacking gum, got his sunglasses on in his convertible. <laughs> His drive into the drive into the next workshop. Him and Guy Fieri carpooling to the next town uh, for the next story. I believe you're supposed to say it, Guy Fieri. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but but one one gets results. One is going to try the cheesy, uh, cheesy patty melt. I just think it's really hilarious slowly. how people in the off season did kind of get bent out of shape that we moved on from our longtime long snapper, and then but they didn't know that there was just a factory ready to produce results and there he is chris stoll he's he is 100 that dude the snaps all look great i was like watching for it i was like oh man this guy if he messes up once i'm gonna bring it up on the podcast because it'll be so funny and instead it's funny for a different reason he was exactly <laughs> he's exactly what i expected from the, the machine factory. they just they're uh, so good the so the other thing and I, because you brought it up i'll go ahead and say it uh we're paying our kicker and punter too much um, paying your long snapper too much is another roster mistake. When your long snapper gets older, even when you're signing him for the minimum, you're still paying your long too snapper much. 
too much. And so it's he, uh, we have we had a great long snapper. He got to the point in his career where you can't keep paying him if you can just go get a guy. We just went and got a guy. Man. Now we can basically have uh, he did Crystal end up, he did end plus up on the Ravens back and defensive tackle. Just so you guys know, Tyler Ott, he's not he's not no jobs. He is on the Ravens now, snapping for the best kicker in NFL history. So that's kind of cool for him. The uh, his left foot. The, <laughs> the, the uh, special team standouts. Tyle Cotta, that boy fast. I'm wow, very fast. I I knew he was a good athlete, but like that when on the special teams plays, I'm like looking for numbers, and I was like, oh, 39. He's he's all over the place, and it's like, yeah, okay, that's Tyle Cotta. He's he good. He good. So I don't know if he has a path to the roster yet because he just doesn't have an NFL position like that. He's not a great safety, but the athleticism's off the charts. I just think there's a, there's a kind of a hard limit on how many guys you can keep who are only going to contribute on special teams. And, yeah, Sutherland's uh, rough like that too. Sutherland's basically competing with Balor for a spot. It's like, do you cut Nick Balor for Ty Okada? Probably not. So, Do you cut him for Sutherland? I don't know, man, because uh, Balor is getting to the point where you have to pay him more than you want to pay. Like, if, if our linebacking, if our linebacker backups are good enough, this might finally be the season where Balor's out. Uh... Eh. I don't know. Let's see. Below, I'm gonna look at Belor's contract. I think that that will have a lot to say about it. So Belor right now, if we cut him, we would save two point three million. He has three. He has three hundred thousand dollars less this year in guarantees, and then we'd owe him one point one five million in dead cap next year. Boom. Uh, move know. Griffin Aber into the role, and uh, Griffin Aber was good too. Yeah, there's. It's just hard. I there they kept they keep these guy kind of guys around though. Belor mm-hmm. Thorpe. They keep like these veteran special teams guys because they want like one old head in special teams to like kind of fire everyone up or whatever. In Bellar's case, make memes about Quandre Diggs on Twitter. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you know how it goes. So, yeah. Any okay? Any final thoughts? You guys want to get Eric? What's one one more thing from from this uh, preseason game, or one thing you're looking forward to in the next preseason game? One thing that I got from this preseason game that we haven't brought up that I thought was amazing. And that was the pregame. Michael Bennett was on the microphone. I couldn't see it because I'm watching stupid Ty Chandler. Oh, oh. <laughs> real, real Rob and Mike Bennett. So Michael Bennett season games is the best. Best thing, Michael Bennett. It was on the field, and they said like, "Yeah, so you've been coaching this preseason. How's that been going?" He was like, "Man, it's it's great. Coaching's really interesting because you go out there and you tell a player this is what you got to do, and it's beautiful. They go out there." And they do the exact opposite. Coaching is hard, man. I don't believe coaching is hard. And that was, I was just like. Speaking right to a teacher. Michael Bennett has gained gained so much respect for. Uh, It just felt like such a teacher thing. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, do you see it? Like. It's like when you have that troubled kid and they're talking all the time and then when they're older, they're like, oh, I was kind of a jerk, wasn't I? You're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Yeah, you were. were. Uh, <laughs> you shout the F word in the middle of class and throw things? Yeah, it was a little disruptive. The The best part is like uh, people who are like, oh, teaching, that's great. You get the summers off. It's like, yeah, come do my job for like one day and then decide decide whether or not that's that's uh, something that we should have or not. Because holy smokes, if you didn't have the summers off, no one would want this job. <laughs> Dude, yeah, the 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 teacher related homicide rate would go up. It's like, yeah. it's no, no one would work as a teacher. There'd so that's zero that's uh, teachers. That's my note from that I really had to bring up for this game. In the next game, honestly, I'm looking for two things. I want to see consistency from the guys that stood out. So 
Bobo, <laughs> you want a spot on the roster, you better keep shining out uh, the whole backup. Uh, are you and are you are you just a ship in the night passing, or are you actually going to be our seventh running back on the roster? Another thing is, is like, Pete, don't sleep on Aesop Winston Jr. He returned kicks and punts. Like, if this guy, if that's like, for the Saints. if if that's like a thing, this guy is gonna make the team. He's and got a every, great name, and too. everyone will be like, "Whoa, Aesop Winston Jr. made the team!" And it's like, yeah, well, he he returns kicks and punts, so it's like that's hugely valuable for this team right now because it doesn't feel like we have a set dj dallas maybe is gonna be our kick kick and punt trey return. brown's getting looks and i like trey, that trey brown did a kick he had a good kick return he had too. a good return yeah so i don't know kevin t- big take biggest takeaway or biggest thing you're looking forward to next week uh you know what i'm not here to call out people and uh there's no kink shaming on this podcast but when it comes to uh edge rushers and a 3-4 defense our boy pete carroll has a type <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Mafe and Hall, like, okay, so Hall got a penalty. I don't care about that penalty. His only mistake was the landed on the quarterback. Guess what you can teach him to stop doing? Like, he did the same thing in practice where so he accidentally weird. laid a hit on, uh, where he accidentally laid a hit on Locke because he was surprised how free he came on the pass rush and was like, I, I just couldn't slow up in time. It's physics, coach. And it's like, you know what? I'd rather have that problem than the problem where you can't get to the quarterback. So I thought, um, Hall needs to learn some rookie things, but Hall looked good, and Mafe fixed that hesitation step on his first step in his pass rush, and he looks fully a step quicker than he did before. And if that's the case, Mafe's a dangerous pass rusher, in addition to being maybe our best guy against the run out of those edge players. Man, the, our top four on the edge is really, really interesting and really, really good. Yeah, I said this about our defense in the Discord, and I'll just kind of repeat it here is that like we have a lot of guys on our team right now that are um on our defense that are in the range of like c to b plus and like if any of these guys can really become like a a can really become like a star this guy is the limit for this defense we just need one guy who tilts the whole field towards him if like if we get the Tariq woolen coming out party where now we don't he doesn't even need safety help he's just he's just locked down by himself uh yeah it's oh it's over like we just need one guy yeah to, if chenna because if chenna becomes uh, 15 sack guy 15 yeah. sack guy yeah then it's like now it's it's over like we our defense is so good so we'll see we just need one guy to kind of emerge and another thing is about the defense is that it's exciting because we didn't see hardly any of our guys you know there's mm-hmm. so many guys to get added to this defense draymond chenna daryl taylor uh Jaron Reed, like just so many. Devin guys Bush was out there play. doing his best Bobby Wagner impression, but that was not Bobby Wagner. We have exactly. two of those guys. That's true. Yeah, it's it's just going to be exciting when the season actually starts to just get everything going all together. And there's a lot of missed tackles from the young players. I feel like that's going to happen the way the practices are structured now. Mm-hmm. You can't practice tackling as much early in the preseason. There's going to be missed tackles by young players as they get kind of used to the speed of the game and the angles you need to take and, and how you need to play NFL football. I would not worry so much about the number of missed tackles. It was a lot. <laughs> it was nine. Um, what am I looking for next week? Uh, just imp- improvement. And I'm looking for these, these camp battles that are developing these guys that the center right guard battle, I think the, is really interesting. The, the wide receiver, the way the interior offensive line is developing. And then the secondary, I think those are the exciting kind of camp battles is wide receiver, secondary interior offensive line. That's where, that's where the, the kind of interesting things are happening. So keep an eye on all those as we go into next week against the, I don't keep track of the preseason schedule like that. So it's, um, who does 
It's the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys at home. So there and you then go. week three we have Green, Green Bay, Bay away in, in the frozen tundra. The thaw tundra. <laughs> Except for it's summer, so uh, it, will, it will be a uh, the, the, the one beautiful game in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, so all right, the. This is it. This is it. Uh, thank you for supporting the Seahawks Nest podcast at patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. Uh, it's a $1.24 a month. Join the Discord. Um, thank you to those patrons, new and old. Sorry, I'm gonna push I'm gonna push the button because it just takes me straight to the one where I can read all the names. Uh, Emmanuel, Andy, Brett, Cooper, do it all for the Tucci, Evan, Flocktimus, Gavin, James, Jose, Joshua, Lucas, Malcolm, Micah, Rad Dad, Nikki C, Ryan, Terrence, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Blake, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay. Luke, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Noah, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, and Nick, and all the other patrons at the uh, the under four dollar level. So okay, uh, this week um, I was thinking about movies that are coming up: Blue Beetle um, and Blue Beetle and Mission Impossible. And I really started thinking about like the history of the Mission Impossible movies and the first Mission Impossible movie, and it got me thinking: like action movies have changed in the last 25 years, quite a bit. If you go back to mission impossible, um, MI one, MI one, Brian De Palma, <laughs> Brian De Palma. So they bring in this auteur director, Brian De Palma. And you think like, Oh, so what happens with these action movies? They, when they give them to these, these weird directors is, Oh, they're going to subvert your expectations. They're going to do things a different way. And instead, no, he just makes it like, uh, like a straight up spy thriller. Yeah, it's like a spy thriller. He just like he's like I'm gonna show you the excitement of the cinema, you know, like the the excitement of uh, of movies. And so yeah, there's a whodunity aspect that's really done on this bit, one. Well yeah. done this one. Yeah, and so so he and he's like uh, like the the mystery and magic of film because like there's like the face changing and then the the, the the that opening set piece where it's like a fake. Uh, the whole thing is fake. It's all IMF agents in this uh, in this setting with Ethan Hunt where they're doing like a fake mission. It's just. Um, I don't know. It's so cool. It's interesting though because in, in the iconic this, line, uh, where he gets lowered down on the mm-hmm. it, like that's that's still is like an iconic action scene. There was there's that. a lot of iconic set pieces. We we puts the two pieces of the gum together. The two sets. Yep. It's got the exploding gum. The 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 whole face changing technology, which I felt like was like the kind of the the hook of the isn't, movie. Uh, well, the original series that was the big thing. Yeah, Emilio Estevez in this also. Is he? What is he in this movie? I thought he was uh, like. The Doesn't guy... he play one of the original people in the crew that gets like murdered? Yes. early on, like oh, okay. Simon Pegg would take over later. I don't remember Emilio Estevez in this movie at all, but I, it I felt know Tom real Cruise, to Emilio John Voight, uh, Jean Jean Renault is is the guy is like the uh, the the agent who is uh, who's disgraced that Ethan Hunt. Yeah. Uh, you remember how like he has like the original oh, right. who he's working with and Emilio um, a bunch of them get murdered off really early in the movie and that's when you're supposed to not be sure whether or not uh, Ethan Hunt is, is like, the, the good guy, guy or not. Yes. Uh, Emilio Estevez, if I remember correctly, is one of the people that gets murdered. He yeah. is an IMF agent and equipment technician in Phelps's team. Because they were yep. both on the Outsiders, uh, he and Tom Cruise, Kevin, and there's only room enough for one Outsider. In he was he was uncredited in the role, so like I think that means they didn't. Oh really? Oh, so wow, that's uh, that's some good. You know, just because I love Emilio so much. It's just I think they didn't want you to know going in the movie because it's like a surprise, like you said, like it's like a kind of unexpected. He's well, it was role. a couple years after Men at Work, and they're still trying to scrub that shame off. I think. 
Okay, but the reason the reason I bring this up is to work without something else excellent. I love the Mission Impossible movies, but over time, these this series is a perfect encapsulation of what has happened in action film. In the first Mission Impossible movie, it is played very seriously. There's not jokes in this movie. There's not even things written as jokes. It is a serious action thriller that just builds a story and has a great story and has actions. And as time has gone on, we look at the newer Mission Impossible movies. I would call it the Marvel effect has happened where now you have to constantly have a, you have to have a character that is making jokes uh, to constantly relieve the tension. Uh, and, and you already brought him up, Eric, it's Simon Pegg in these Mission Impossible yeah. movies. So what I want to talk about is like, do you, th- what, what my big question is, what do you guys think about the like um, kind of jokeification or the kind of, uh, uh, action how every action movie is an action comedy now uh and do you think there are still there are still movies kind of holding the flame for these uh, for this kind of more serious action thriller or is this just kind of where we're at in a in action film does that does that make, uh, does that make yeah, sense? Eric, get first <laughs> yeah absolutely um for me i think the you can find those movies but they're not in the mainstream you have to go look on your hulus your amazon for a movie that just released with a starring a guy or a gal sometimes let's be honest um it can be anyone and you're like oh i know this person um they're they're in an action movie this they act they're, a lot they, i haven't they're a bad they're a bad guy in the in avengers too yeah. oh scott atkins is in this movie yeah like oh i'll give let's this a just shot. name it and then you actually, we all know what we're hinting at you really like it um it's that's where you'll find it um I, I, olivia wilde did a movie a couple years ago um, geez, what was this movie called? Uh, Vengeance, Revenge. I will find out. Uh, but it was it was like a really cool action movie. It was not funny. Um, a Vigilante. That's what it was called. A Vigilante. Like, and it came out in 2018. And that is an action suspense movie. It is not funny at all. I encourage everyone to go see it. Yeah, there's like these. There was like this moment, like where it, it started. I think like the Bourne movies were part of it too. Um, Three Hundred was this real serious movie. Uh, Gladiator. Hey Nathan. Uh, take Taken. Taken is a great example of a movie that has like zero humor in it, but it's still... how about Plane? Plane. Plane no was j- funny, but not because they wrote any jokes. No, it's because this because the movie was called Plane. That was yeah. the only joke. The only well, joke in the movie, and and the fact that you could call the script from the beginning and it played it out that way in in a way that was just ridiculous and humorous. Yeah. Oh, so, what about Prey? Prey. Isn't that a recent movie? That was a straight up uh, movie. Yeah, it was. Uh, I I called. There was sci-fi no comedy and, in Prey, and it's not. Um, I guess it kind of goes away from the franchise being funny. The blandest movie ever, The Gray Man. It's just, it's just interesting how like they... I never saw that because you guys said how bland it was. <laughs> I, I mean, was it's like, you don't I was like, watch do it. I want to put over two hours of my do life want, into this? Nah. Do you want to watch the guy who made the Avengers make a PG thirteen John Wick? I maybe it is rated R. I don't know, but it didn't feel. Eric, it's like it's like sipping on soda water. Ugh. Like not flavored soda water, but just like the carbonated water. Uh. Yeah. It's just interesting because, like, I feel like now there's not a lot of straight comedies in theaters anymore. Like, you gotta, like you'll find them every few. And years. there's there's not a lot of straight action movies in theaters anymore, but there's tons of action comedies, right? But like, I think I think we need I, to differentiate. I feel like we've I feel like we filled 
both lanes now where we try to make this movie that pleases everyone, right? Because like you don't want to take your wife and kids to go see uh, Taken. That movie's not for – they're trying to make a movie for everyone. You're describing Hollywood though. This is what they've always done. Exactly. This is what I want to talk yeah. about. It's like the, yes, they would the rather pro- make a three-star movie that appeals to a wider audience than a five out of five that appeals to a narrow audience. That is right. correct. You are You are not wrong. Which is like – it's frustrating because I like Taken. And I like straight comedies. I like stupid, even stupid ones, game nights, blockers. Like I like those movies. I think more. I want more movies like that. You know what but I mean? But now the thing is though, because I think what we need to talk about there's there's because there's also action comp like Central Intelligence does its action and its comedy well. Oh, twenty one um, jump, twenty one jump, twenty one jump street does its action and its comedy well. Uh, but but also going to the superhero genre, uh, like the newer the new Suicide Squad movie or the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, Thor Ragnarok. Yes, those do their action, their comedy well. They are but they are written to be comedic. And then the other side of it is the action Spy, movies that the have greatest things movie about them time. that are funny. Spy is a great great choice for that. <laughs> but then you have movies like um. So like not a great movie, but like Guns Akimbo or if you go into like the John Wick movies or nobody where there are things that are funny there. There's humor in the movie, but it is an action movie with humor. Um, all uh, 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 the Christmas movie. Um, die Hard. Die Hard. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like you have to differentiate. Is it a Die Hard action comedy or is it a, you know, central intelligence action comedy? But even then, like, there are action movies that have come out that don't have any jokes at all. They don't even have, like, the the yippie kayes <laughs> in there, anything like that. I I just, uh, I pined for a time when we got a wider variety of, of movies instead of these genre-blending uh, kind of... Safe. Safe uh, action comedies that... Like, on Blue Beetle. I'm pretty sure I'm going to see Blue Beetle. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to be like, okay, that was, that was cool. And then that's it. That's going to be my, uh, the end, the end of my I mean, Blue Beetle experience. It's also a bigger discussion though. Like we've seen so much, we've seen it all before and what Hollywood's putting out. You're looking for a diamond in the rough every three years. I know. And it, it does seem like too, like Hollywood only wants to hit home runs. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. they don't, they don't want to offend anyone. You can't offend take- anyone anymore. And it's, it's affecting how comedies are written. Why take a safe double? And the thing is, is uh, John Wick is a good example of this. Like John Wick was a huge hit. And I think it's because it didn't try to like be anything it's not. It was just like, hey, this is a straight action movie. Like, let's show you guys some cool action. First Kingsman and movie? The first Kingsman movie is try- is so jokey, though. There's so many jokes in this It movie. is. But again, that's a movie that... It's so hokey. It was just what the movie was, though. You know, like it didn't feel like it was trying to shoehorn in the jokes or the uh, action. It it rode the line it rode naturally. The Twenty One Jump Street movies ride the line they ride naturally. I feel, it doesn't I, feel like I, they're forcing it. I'm not saying that you can't, you shouldn't make any action comedies. I'm just saying, like, I want, I want more movies that lean into one or the other. You know, like be really funny or be really action based, but like trying to please everyone. Like Actually, here's a. Another good example of this, Kevin, is your favorite movie, Hot Fuzz. Like Hot Fuzz is a great action comedy because it's trying to be really funny. I it's have not express too. It's not like the comedy is the important part, right? Not the the action is just like part of the movie. Incidental. And it is and yeah. it is great, but it is a comedy. Like, you know, lean into one thing. Do something really well. Don't just try to 
to be don't be bland you know, everything be... you're doing do it well sicario sicario's action is good it leaned into its thriller elements it's so stre- it's so stressful what a stressful it is mo- it is stressful one of the most stressful movie watching experiences you'll ever have it's perfect in that that, that scene on the on the, the the bridge of the americas or whatever they're crossing the border it's yes. like holy smokes the most stressful scene ever put to a to film more i will say Foreign films, you're still getting some of that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. um, if you want a movie that uh, does not have comedy, it is the right. Uh, I would go redemption. Uh, <laughs> the, um, the Coda movies. Oh yeah, yeah, those too. Yeah, <laughs> those are first. The Raid's of all, got no. Uh, the Raid's got no jokes either. There's no Takeshi Kitano. If you ever want to see like Takeshi Kitano, you're wondering if he's doing like a comedy bit by playing everything so incredibly straight all the time. No, he's not. That's just how he plays those movies. It's ridiculous. Or like Fury came out a couple of years ago out of uh, 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 Vietnam, and that is like a, a straight up action movie. Like there have been some straight up action movies coming out from other places, but uh, a not everybody um, watches movies with subtitles because I don't know they hate literacy. Um, and b uh, like the budget is different when you're dealing with the other types of movies and like Hollywood just wants to do safe bets only. That's the big problem right now. They don't want to pay writers. They don't want to have people go over scripts multiple times to try and make them good. Even for those mid budgets. It's about like that. Cause that's the other thing is how many taken movies has Liam Neeson been in like 40 now? Like yeah. here's taken in cold weather. Here's taken, but it's actually taken. How many cold. times here's are people, taken, is his family going to get taken? They made a Taken movie like after he was capable of doing the action anymore. So they had to like do a bunch of camera cuts and stuff. It's really bad. Taken 4. It's the worst one. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's just a straight up bad movie. Um, one thing I want to tell you. In my research for this, I was just kind of looking at movies that had come out in theaters recently. And I just wanted everyone to know. I'm going to leave you with this. That The Flash has a higher tomato meter score than the Mario Brothers movie. So anyway, for Kevin, for Eric, we will see you all next week. Go Hawks.